Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today we're going to have uh, one of our infrequent custom commander episodes. Uh, we've gotten a lot of submissions from some very talented designers. So we're going to be going through all these designs, uh, giving one or two notes, but mostly just talking about uh, what these new commanders would add to the format, how you'd build around them. Um, and uh, well, I guess we'll say up front that if you are a Wizards employee, you probably want to skip this episode because <laughs> it's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of unsolicited designs. Um, but with that, is there anything you want to say before we jump into this? We got a lot of submissions, but we got a lot of submissions from like a few people <laughs> too. <laughs> some some people sent in a massive just deluge. <laughs> Yes. Uh, the more the more designs you submit, the more likely you are to get one selected. So just keep that in mind the next time we do a call for for designs. But of course, you know we just want to highlight the the most interesting designs. And of course, as I mentioned, we have some very talented designers that we're going to be uh, discussing the the oeuvre of today, the the body of work. Yeah. Um, but before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as one dollar a month one of the benefits being access to our discord server and we have on there a pretty active custom card uh channel so that's a a great way to get your designs in front of our eyeballs if you ever want to contribute to a future custom commander episode but if you aren't ready to be a patron yet you could still help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts Uh, and with that uh, I think we can start talking about the the first designs here. Um, the this first cluster of designs are coming to us from Johan Strotman. Uh, apologies if I'm mispronouncing that at all. He's on Twitter. You can check him out there. Give him a follow at Johan Strotman. His first design is Litjara or maybe Litjara Valky. Uh, three and a blue for a three three legendary creature shapeshifter with changeling. Litjara Valky is all colors. Creatures you control are every creature type. The same is true for creature spells you control and creature cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. Uh, so, what is uh, what's your what's your your gut reaction uh, to this card? What what does it make you think of? Yeah, so I mean, there is a thing that we've talked about on this podcast to uh, everything tribal. Uh, we've featured it. Uh, on episodes in the past other podcasts have talked about it at this point it's a thing that exists but it kind of you kind of have to force it <laughs> i guess like there's mm-hmm. some commanders that are fine for it but what this is really doing for me is making it that your everything tribal happens like this looks to me like you're giving um all of these lords for weird cards and interactions with creature types like a space to play in and on first glance i think it's pretty powerful (laughs) you know yeah i definitely agree um the the fact that it affects cards on that aren't on the battlefield is going to i think shape how this tends to get built because you know, once you make it so that things in your library become uh, all creature types, then you get access to things like 
well, I'm going to Goblin Recruiter or Dwarven Recruiter and stack my deck. Uh, and that just really enables, like, I mean, it just makes it so easy to put together combos at that point. So that's something to keep an eye on. Like, if you, if, if this card were to say limit itself to just creatures on the battlefield, I think that puts less emphasis on combo, but just the power of, of being able to stack your deck with like any creatures in any order, I think is going to narrow the focus of the how people are building this but uh, that's but what are your thoughts i could be wrong there um no i think so i actually think that because of that that i actually would make this probably five mana like i know that might be controversial but it turns on so many synergies and like makes so many things happen that it's really not that hard to get this down turn like two or three um and then get going and doing your thing so i think i guess the counterpoint is the blowout that happens when <laughs> they kill it in response to something um so if you were in a meta with a lot of kill spells your deck just isn't gonna work <laughs> mm-hmm. so um I don't know. Yeah, I'm actually not quite sure. I I think the gameplay on this card would be really fun. Like looking at this, you kind of do have to search a little bit below the surface, but it's going to let you play with a bunch of cards that you probably aren't getting to play in too many lists. Yeah, one uh category of cards that uh seems to have a lot of potential in this deck uh, is one that we reference pretty frequently and those are things sort of like creature replacers like whenever you know, a zombie dies, you get a, a cleric, or, or actually, the other way around, whenever a cleric dies, you get a zombie, whenever a human dies, you get a zombie, those types of cards. Um, so Lityara, like, you know, making it so that any, your, your tokens then trigger your Zathru Necromancer over again when they die, uh, opens up combo potential there, because you really just need, like, one of those creature replacers, and then a sack outlet, and then any other creature, and you're good to go. Um, so that could be another line that these decks take. Do you think, uh, let me think about this. What is like the most fair way to like enable everything tribal from the command zone? Like do it in a way that like just allows you to play with a lot of goofy synergies, but doesn't activate combos as easily. Mm, yeah, I've thought about this somewhat but not a crazy amount over the years um and i think it's because it's really hard i think this comes pretty close um i think you'd have to give up some synergy of like creature cards you own that aren't on the battlefield or it would have to like or limit that somewhat so it's creature types you own in your graveyard in hand or something like that to Mm -hmm. like cut out some of the library interplay i i think that's one of the big things that would kind of make this a little too busted that's that's the part of it that makes me go like oh wow because if you're just playing a bunch of creatures then you drop your lit yara valky and then you play like a great bow doyen no one's gonna complain (laughs) you know like no one Mm -hmm. no one is gonna be like oh no how busted that's like I think what you would want to do with a card like 
like this it, it's the yeah the combo lines that you want to avoid so um maybe restricting zones that it's affecting creatures in is probably the the biggest one mm-hmm. maybe only allow from the library not from the graveyard something like that okay yeah just a thought but we've got a lot of other designs to get through today so uh let's move on to the next one uh and again this also comes from johan Strotman. so thanks again for submitting so many designs uh this one is called hot blaze of the second sun and that's hot spelled h-a-h-t uh it's one red red for a two two legendary creature phoenix with flying and haste Hot gets plus one plus one for each time you've cast a commander from the command zone this game. Whenever a Phoenix card leaves your graveyard for each opponent, put a blaze counter on a random permanent that player controls without a blaze counter on it. It gains at the beginning of your upkeep. This permanent deals one damage to you. Uh, so what do you think about Hot? What uh, what archetype do you think this leads to? I like this card so much. <laughs> So this is definitely the Phoenix Commander. Every I don't it's kind of a joke at this point. I've seen the like MTG card smith um like or not cardsmith the there's like a, a joke MTG account that I can't remember on Twitter that'll post joke cards and uh, that's not the Robo Rosewater. Uh, it's like a person and it mm-hmm. was like a set mechanic Phoenix and it was like <laughs> Three two flying haste enters tapped like comes back uh, when you do set mechanic like for three <laughs> or four mana and that just happens every set we even we literally got one <laughs> in midnight hunt <laughs> mm-hmm. where you can pay two one day night to have a phoenix come back and I don't think we talked about it in our set review but it is a card that exists and um I think it will come back more times than not but that's I digress. I think Hot really keys into that is looking at all these phoenixes that really you're not trying to play. <laughs> like a lot of them are pretty disjointed and they come back when you do different things and um would kind of require you building a bunch of different ways to make them work, but if you have an incentive to do that like with Hot, then that actually becomes instead of like a chore, it becomes like a goal, it becomes like a target for you. Yeah, uh just to like so currently there are 28 phoenixes, or rather 28 non-changeling phoenixes uh, in a mono red color identity. And just to call out some of the different things you're going to need in your deck to make these these phoenixes work, uh, Aurora Phoenix uh, triggers off of Cascade. So whenever you cast a spell with Cascade, return Aurora Phoenix from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, another one, uh, let's see. Another one requires Metalcraft, Kuldotha Phoenix. Uh, you can only return it using its activated ability when you have Metalcraft online. Retriever Phoenix has, as long as it's in your graveyard, if you would learn, you may instead return it to the battlefield. Uh, <laughs> Spellpire Phoenix, uh, at the beginning of your end step, if you cycled two or more cards this turn, return Spellfire Phoenix from your graveyard to your hand. So there's just so many different synergies you have to get working in order to get your phoenixes back um and so this isn't you know this definitely isn't a knock on the design but it's more just like i don't know if the the phoenix creature type is ready yet for this to work what what are your thoughts <laughs> i 
Hmm. Okay. I think if this card came out right now, like in Crimson Vow, we had Hot for some reason. Hot, Blaze of the Second Sun was one of the red mythics in uh, Crimson Vow. I think people would build the deck and it would be just not very good. It'd be kind of like, haha, funny Phoenix Commander. And then like five to ten years from now, once they keep printing Phoenixes, it would become like, oh, th- this is really good. Kind of like how Norn the Wary was kind of just like a deck people had mm-hmm. that wasn't very good. And then all of a sudden, like, Perforos came out and then Impact Tremors and it got a bunch of cards that made it go from haha oh funny nor in the wary i guess i'll put my lol random cards in here to like oh there's actually a lot of synergies and things i can do with this now so that's what hot seems like to me like right now it would just kind of be a chore (laughs) Mm -hmm. you'd have to figure out other ways to get your phoenixes out of your graveyard like maybe like artifacts that shuffle them into your library and then you'd get a few of the phoenixes that are easy to bring out um because it's not like you're going to art light phoenix like every turn with this deck is my guess you know so yeah i think this card in the form it is now would become very good in a few years but um we need a few more set mechanic phoenixes to come out before that's true Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's uh likely the case and then hopefully we just get more of the phoenixes that are maybe a little bit smaller but just have like pretty easy conditions for coming back uh so for example like in the first jump start last year they had lightning phoenix which at the beginning of your end step if an opponent was dealt three or more damage this turn you may pay red if you do return lightning phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield that's a super easy condition to meet um so just more maybe like cheaper maybe smaller but phoenixes that can come back without quite as many hoops or like having to you know try to fit like a mutate package into your mono red phoenix deck or whatever. But moving on to another design, also coming to us from Johan Strotman. Uh, this is Avaricta Furnace Operative. It's one red blue for a 2 2 legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Artificer. It has haste. Avaricta Furnace Operative untaps during each player's untap step. It has Phyrexian tap, or that is Phyrexian blue tap, sacrifice an artifact, draw a card. And Phyrexian Red, tap, discard an artifact card. Avaricta deals two damage to any target. Um, so uh, this this seems really neat. Uh, it's um, Johan gave a, a little uh, bit of information on it. It's basically designed to be like an is it sort of scrap, scrap heap type commander where you're doing a lot of swapping things in between zones. Um, and it seems like... Uh, a really neat value engine. I love that it has haste. I love that you can activate it multiple times per round of turns. And I, I love that it's both a discard outlet and a sacrifice outlet. So there's just a lot of ways to synergize with that. But but how do you feel about Avaricta? Yeah, I was actually looking up tech for this before the show. And I think really what this is doing is it's just opening up a bunch of like synergies that you kind of have to force into an artifact deck right now mm-hmm. um works really well with like scrap trawler and stuff like that things that already exist but just the ability to like kind of whenever you need get what you need where it needs to go mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that was kind of a funny sentence but um that means that it your commander is really just smoothing out 
how your deck is trying to function. And this really turns your deck into a machine itself, which I think is really flavorful for like a Phyrexian, a, a red blue being like a creative Phyrexian. So in the same way that Brutoclad was like, I'm going to do funny things with tokens because I'm a red blue Phyrexian. This is kind of like, I'm going to enable funny things to do with artifacts because I'm a red blue Phyrexian and it, it feels good. It feels really cool. Yeah, I can't imagine like how much fun you're going to have if you just curve out with like Goblin Welder into Goblin Engineer into Avaricta. Like, you're just going to be moving so many things around so quickly. Yeah, it seems like a, a great commander to give you that to lead that kind of deck and just give you a lot to do on all of your turns. Um, seems like a really fun commander for those Johnnies who just like move in cards to different zones all the time and i love that it also like you know provides a little bit of board control like we often turn up our nose on like sm- low damage dealing effects in commander because the creatures can get quite large but just being able to to pick off um small utility creatures as like a, a really for like a really low opportunity cost when the rest of the card is already something you want to do is just a nice bonus i think mm-hmm yeah, I, yeah, and <laughs> I guess I was talking about this card without without even referencing what the card does too. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. honestly, like to me, it doesn't even necessarily matter that it deals two damage or draws a card. That's kind of gravy on the gravy train, and the train is moving. Goblin welder wants your uh, worm coil back on the battlefield, and how'd you get it there? You pitched it to kill someone else's commander, so it's like, th- yeah, all combined this is awesome this is great i'm a really big fan and um i don't know uh sometimes when we do these episodes i get a little depressed that i'll never see this card in real <laughs> life <laughs> so this is one of those ones for me hey we got to go back to Frexy eventually that's true <laughs> can i read off this next one this one actually um made me pretty excited okay go for it yeah so this is adrio duskbound explorer this is a 2-3 human scout uh, for 4 mana, 1 white, black, green. Whenever a spell activated ability or triggered ability causes you to reveal one or more lands from your library, you get an experience counter. Other scouts you control get plus 1, plus 1 for each experience counter you have. And whenever another scout you control leaves the battlefield, Adrio explores. I thought this was a great scout tribal commander we've gotten a few scout tribal builds over the years from from listeners and this one really uh, i guess tickled me <laughs> uh yeah i'm a big fan of this as well um so just a, a couple one or two notes from the designer so black is included to uh give access to explore synergies so some of the other explore cards back from Ypsilon block. It was kind of a black-green theme in Limited, um, so I can see why that's included here. And then the first ability is templated to avoid confusion with cards like Oracle of Moldiah, and I'm really glad he made that comment, because, you know, when I saw this this at first, um, you know, whenever a spell, activated ability, or triggered ability causes you to reveal one or more lands from your library, my first thought was, like, well, reveal is a, is a, is a game action. Like, you can... Uh, you can just template something to trigger off of it, like, you know, in the same way that you can have, like, whenever you scry or whenever you surveil. Um, 
but yeah, it, it definitely would be confusing. Like, am I just constantly revealing the top card in my library yeah. or does it only happen once? Like, um, or is it not even like revealing in this uh, as an action at this point? Like, so I'm glad that like that is there. Cause I'm sure it would like, I don't even really know how that would work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it would. I, I, I'm wondering too. I feel like, that's the kind of trigger that they would um, design in the same way to make sure that weird corner cases like that don't come up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like uh, good rules, knowledge and, and good design right there. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I like that it's using experience counter. It's kind of like an underutilized resource uh, for commanders. It, it is really frustrating when uh, your whatever you're building towards just kind of gets reset with a board wipe and you're kind of, back at square one so I, I like that as well uh, I, I think my only note is um, like whenever another scout you control leaves the battlefield I feel like the the second ability the like pumping your scouts for your experience counters that feels like you want to build up an army of scouts but the last ability makes it seem like oh I want to be you know bouncing my scouts or sacrificing my scouts or, or, or getting this or farming this trigger in ways that kind of have anti-synergy with uh, the second ability. So maybe maybe those could just be like massaged to align a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But overall, yeah. like it is still a, you know, an archetype that doesn't currently exist that easily could. There's a lot of scouts out there that just kind of need a little bit of a push to to be playable in Commander because so many of them it's just like, you know, smooth out your draws and, and make sure you hit your land drops and generate card advantage in kind of like a subtle way. So I, I like this commander a lot, and I think that, um, you know, it definitely would add something to the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really cool. Uh, I apologize if I'm reading this wrong, but this is Gaugna, Drowner of All. This is a 7-7 seven, seven Leviathan Horror for 6 mana, 3 black, green, blue. When Gaugna enters the battlefield, each player mills X cards, where X is the amount of mana spent to cast Gaugna. Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, and Serpent spells you cast have Delve, and each land is an island in addition to its other land types. So I was really hoping that line would be on this when I saw Drowner of All <laughs> <laughs> on this card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, this is also coming to us from Johann Strautmann. Um, and this is, you know, pretty clearly a sea monster commander. Um, so I, I definitely love the, um, fact that it is providing a mechanism for you to cast your, your sea monsters a little bit more cheaply. Like that is probably, I mean, easily the biggest problem with this cluster of tribes is that they're all incredibly expensive. Delve, you know, feels pretty thematic here. So that's great. Um, the, uh, the, like, Urborg or Yavamaya text on there, make, granting everything, or rather the Stormtide Leviathan text on there, making everything islands, certainly plays well with um, your island home type cards or your things with island walk. So that's great. I guess my only question is sort of like, is like how much self mill you have to do in order to, in, in the turns preceding this? Um, sort of what does like the game plan look like? Is it your let's see mm -hmm. like how much how much on, on like turns one through five or whatever 
how much of what you're doing is ramp, how much of what you're doing is self mill just to, to have your, your Dell stuff active. Um, yeah, I get that. I, I think like I was assuming was that you're in green, so you have ramp. Um, I think if I wasn't in green, I would focus m- more on the mill, but because rampant growth resolves into your graveyard, that seems fine <laughs> to me. Um, mm-hmm. Like Haro exists and the Spring Bloom Dread, and um, there's a few things that get you mana while also putting things into your graveyard. So I don't know if I would focus too much on the mill aspect um, because I, I think like eventually you're going to put down something that will hopefully either win you the game or be able to cast Gaugna again to mill eight mana and eight cards the next time to cast your next Leviathan or Octopus or something. Because a lot of these cards are kind of haymaker gay and (laughs) a lot of these cards are haymaker game ending cards. And I think that's all you would need. And I know that's kind of (laughs) boring, but that's my intuition. Like, I would definitely put in the best mill cards. If you happen to have a Mesmeric Orb turn two, then you're probably good, you know, but mm-hmm. the games where you don't have it, I don't know how much I would actually care to self mill because your commander hits such a big like gout of it on its own. Okay. Yeah, that's totally reasonable. Um just sort of looking at the uh the sea monsters that would like work best in this deck or that would like provide sort of the most power um you know because you are sort of like casting this for six mana and then needing a few more mana to like get your your guys down on the field they gotta uh, you know it, it's a it's a commitment you gotta have some some power that makes it worth it um so scourge of fleets is amazing here enters the battlefield each creature your opponent's control with toughness x or less it's bounced to its hand where X is the number of islands you control. And then of course, Gagna makes it so that you have a lot of islands, even in your three color deck. Um, let's see. Slin Voda, the rising deep basically bounces everything except your sea monsters and merfolk. So that's fantastic. There's certainly a lot of cool cards gotten a lot of support in these types over the years. And I, I think this is a, a really neat design that solves a lot of the problems of the color of the, uh, the, the tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's my favorite part of this is the subtle way that the the flavorful way that it really handles the um the ways in which these tribes are lacking. I think that's mm-hmm. cool. Yep. Uh all right. Moving on to the next design. This is the the last one we've got from Johann Strotman. This is Zagaris of the Droning Isles. It's two blue, black, red for a 2-2 legendary creature Spectre. It has Flying and Wither. It has Ward, discard a non-land card. Whenever an ability of a creature you control causes an opponent to discard a non-land card, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. If you do, that player may draw a card. Hold on, I'm going to (coughs) sneeze. Whenever you cast a card you don't own, put a plus and plus one counter on a Spectre you control. And I just have a, a note from the designer here just to explain something a little bit. Um, so it's a Spectre Commander, clearly. Uh, the third ability is templated only to trigger from creatures so that you can't just play Turgrid and with access to wheels. So it's uh, designed to make it so that you don't um, 
you know, you can't just wheel a fortune and then cast a whole mess of of non land of uh, non land cards that people just discarded. It is worth noting, however, that um, you are on color for uh, mages of the wheel so that is one way you can cheat it a little bit but you know that's that's certainly going to happen a lot less often than if it didn't have that um, restriction on there i think having one <laughs> workaround is fine like having magus the wheel be really powerful in a deck seems like something i'd be willing to uh, give up to have a place for all the specters from over the years to call their home you know yeah definitely it's certainly i i I would honestly love to see like most tribes with a clear identity get a commander that supports the tribe because like there's there's really not that many uh creature types that have had a consistent color identity or sorry consistent mechanical identity over the years making bringing that consist and that consistency is really what you need to design an interesting commander so there's a lot of opportunities out there and um, how do you feel about this execution for Spectre Tribal? I think it is pretty cute. I, I, it, it's hard to take a creature type that is like mid-range control units. Because like mid-range as a deck doesn't really exist in Commander per se. Like most decks are like mid-range, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like they have kill spells and threats and draw spells. So taking a whole tribe where they all cost like four plus mana and unifying them, I think is a big ask. And I actually really like the way that Zagaris does that. So it it makes it more fun. You don't feel like you have to flood the board with specters, which I think might be the only like I guess it depends on what kind of tribal you like. If you just want to see all of your specters on the battlefield at the same time, then um, this doesn't really help you do that. But if you want to just play with cool specters, then this definitely like enables that. Yeah, I, I think in general I like this. I think there is definitely more room for specter tribal that makes them playable in Commander. Mm-hmm. One thing I would just say, one note I would have, um, is that currently, like, Spectre is one of those tribes like Phoenix that is a little light in uh, the number of creatures existing. Like, in this color identity, there's only 25 Spectres, and not all of them would would trigger this commander. So, just just something to keep in mind. Uh, it's It's a design that may not yet have, like, reached... Or, or, or we may not be at the point where it's appropriate, or, or rather, where it's mm-hmm. uh, it's able to like fully get there. But it's it could be something that over a couple of years we get a few more specters, um, and it it works a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, there are ways to sort of like supplement a low creature count. You know, because you're in a blue color identity, you can use clones to sort of help. Um, you know, get a little bit further. Um, get a few more specters out on the board before you drop your commander. Um, but but it's just uh, something to watch as you're designing tribal commanders is just how many cards can actually play in this deck. Yeah, I get that. I think that yeah. is legitimate. Um, this next one is from Addison Sage. This is Vop the Supplier. 
And uh, I think this was submitted a long time ago because I remember having the same thoughts I had when I saw it again today. Mm-hmm. Um, as Vop is a 2-2 two, two rat rogue for three mana, one black black. As long as, long as Vop is equipped, it has double strike and menace. If you would pay mana to activate an equip ability, you may instead pay life equal to that equip cost. Um, how do you feel about this? Uh, I, I like it a lot. I think there's not a ton of black Voltron commanders uh, like Scytherix kind of casts a long shadow. Um, so the fact that this one plays pretty differently is appealing. I also really like that it... Uh, plays in a space that has typically been reserved for red and white except finds a way to make it black and and make it really feel like a black ability and that's sort of cheating equip costs um you know it it is great that it makes use of your high life total that you have in commander i really like the idea of oh you can you know drop something like a um oh i don't know like a black blade reforged or or maybe something with an even higher equip cost like a um a colossus hammer and then drop mm-hmm. this and then yeah I'll, I'll pay eight life because maybe you've got like a lifelink equipment or maybe you just don't even care because like this plus colossus hammer kills in one hit yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um and that said i think you would prioritize equipment that make big <laughs> yeah uh that gives lifelink um that gives death touch stuff like that mm-hmm. um like a double strike menace death touch creature sounds like the worst headache. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I'm never going to block this. I have to have the kill spell. And when I do block it, I have to have way too many creatures to do so. Like it just, that just is terrible. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I like VOP. I think if we see more Voltron black commanders, I, it would be fun to see stuff in this space. Yeah, it definitely um is is a solid Voltron design. Um it it fulfills like I always when we talk about Voltron commanders, we always talk about the four requirements of a Voltron commander and those are haste, evasion, uh high power to cost ratio and protection. And Vop just, you know, as long as you're able to equip him comes with uh two of those right off the bat. So, uh seems like a great design. Do you want to read off this next one sure uh this next one comes to us from micah um he's also on our discord server and this design came about right around the time of the phyrexian errata uh so a whole bunch of creatures were eroded to have the the phyrexian creature type and so we were just kind of like spitballing on what a phyrexian tribal commander would look like and so i thought this one was really interesting uh this is thrissic the writhing this is four blue black for a four four legendary creature Phyrexian Horror with Phyrexian Offering. And just as a reminder, Phyrexian Offering means uh, you can cast this spell uh, basically anytime you cast an instant. And if you sacrifice a Phyrexian in addition to paying its other costs, and its cost, its mana cost is going to be reduced by the mana cost of the Phyrexian you sacrificed. So it does have like this base mana value of six, but if you're sacrificing a Phyrexian when you're casting it, it's it's probably going to be much cheaper, and it also like kind of has flash just naturally. In addition to that, it also has Phyrexian spells you cast have Phyrexian offering, and 
green tap return target Phyrexian card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, so it's got a bug color identity. And how do you feel about this, this commander for Phyrexian Tribal? Yeah, I <laughs> actually like this card a lot. I think when you try to unify Phyrexians, and we've talked about this on the show before, there are a few themes that stand out. And one of the themes is just sacrifice. Uh, a lot of Phyrexian cards ask you to sacrifice creatures or discard cards or that kind of stuff. So, Or they have their own death triggers. or mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, They reward you for being sacrificed. They're like willing offerings, things like that. So uh, I think this design really takes advantage of that. And it's going to help you like churn through your list, see these cool Phyrexians. And I know... This doesn't look like the typical tribal design, but I think this is a very good tribal commander. I think this commander actually lets you build around what this tribe is doing, whether the R&D knew that this is what the tribe was going to be doing or not. Because mm -hmm. for a very long time, Phyrexians were just some guys, you know, they just they didn't have unified banner to fly under so i think this is a great way to do that yeah and it's also worth noting that phyrexian offering like works particularly well uh with this card type with this creature type because there are a lot of extremely high powered phyrexians um that happen to be pretty expensive so you know whereas with some other creature types there there might not be things that are so expensive it's really worth doing the offering but like when you have Vorinclex, when you have Jin Cataxius, when you have Blight Steel, um, like offering is a really great reward for this tribe. And so, like, kind of both halves of the card, the the sacrifice aspect and the reward, um, both make a lot of sense for Phyrexians. Yeah, really love this. We have a bunch of designs from a friend of the show, collaborator Alex Whiteclay, and I want to I want to preface these designs because what he has been doing has been like uh really fun so what he's been doing is he'll go random card on gatherer find a card and then if he hasn't seen that card in a commander deck he kind of has been reverse engineering commanders that would let that card be played so each of these commanders that we're about to read off and there's a bunch of them <laughs> i think he's been submitting one or two a day <laughs> for yeah. like the last <laughs> month on our discord um so thank you alex yeah they're they're, all... honestly there's yeah they're all really good um there's some we just had to leave off because you know we can't we just did a five-hour episode we can't yeah. uh <laughs> we can't uh, we, we can't do that every week um but it, you know amazing stuff and I, I think we can just jump right into them what's what's the first one we got yeah so this is Tomic Strict Advocate. This is a white-blue legendary creature. Human Advisor. Uh, they cost white-blue, just two mana. They are a 2-3 flyer. And whenever a permanent entering or leaving the battlefield causes a triggered ability to trigger, counter that ability unless its controller pays one. Um, so this is... Very similar to um, a card, the Stern Proctor from Strixhaven, but uh, really the thing about like Strict Proctor was that it lets you cheat stuff too, and mm -hmm. I think that's what this design was intended to do. So, do you want to get into some 
some fun <laughs> triggers <laughs> you don't have to pay one for. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, the first thing that came to my mind was Lotus Field. Um, Lotus Field is the, the land that enters the battlefield tapped with Hexproof. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless you sacrifice two lands. Um, and then it taps for three mana. So just being able to counter that and sort of keep your Lotus Veil, like your Lotus Veil is just a, a three land with that enters the battlefield tapped and otherwise doesn't have any downside. That's huge. Um, another thing that came to my mind was Worm Thing Manta. It's part of a, a, a theme in Torment. Um, but it's essentially um, three blue blue, uh, or sorry, five blue blue, uh, for a 6-1 flying Nightmare Beast, when it enters the battlefield, you skip your next turn, and then when it leaves the battlefield, you take an extra turn after this one. So you basically like cast your Worm Fang mana, you you uh, counter that skipping, and then when it leaves the battlefield, you then pay the mana to ensure that ability actually resolves, and it's just a, a very abusable way to get extra turns. And then uh, something that, that Alex pointed out in, in our, well, we were talking about this card is just traditional O-Ring effects. So like not banishing light effects, but, you know, back in the day with like uh, Oblivion Ring or Fiend Hunter, how they were separated into two abilities, you could pay the mana to make sure that the ETV trigger goes through and something gets exiled under it. And then just don't pay the mana when it leaves the battlefield. Uh, so it never gets returned. So that's also a really neat ability to use with this card. But I'm I'm sure there's just more that we're not thinking of. Um, he also mentioned things that like have some sort of upkeep cost, and then something bad happens when you don't pay the cost. So like illusions of grandeur enters the battlefield, you gain twenty life. Oh, I'll pay for that one. And then when you don't pay the cumulative upkeep cost and and sacrifice it, and it leaves the battlefield, you lose twenty life. Uh, it's like I I think I'll not pay for that one. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> sort of the play pattern. Uh, I love that it's like redoing Tomic because like last mm. time around Tomic didn't really do anything. And I think like everyone, the really funny thing was like everyone asked like, Hey, why does Tomic do this specifically? And I think Melissa DeTora said, Oh, you know, there's something coming that, you know, it'll make more sense in the future. And then nothing was ever printed that made it make yeah. more sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, it definitely was an answer to a problem that never happened. Yeah. So yeah, very very happy to see Tomic get a, a redemption arc here. But I think we can move on to the next one. What's the the next design we got from Alex? So this is Kira Artful Shikari. This is a two two cat knight for red white. Just two mana again. You may activate equip abilities anytime you could cast an instant, and you may target creatures you don't control with those abilities. One of the things that I think is good magic design is magic design breaks its own rules all the time right and mm -hmm. one of the rules that uh people ask about when they're learning magic is like oh well, can i equip your thing <laughs> mm -hmm. so i think having a card that breaks that rule because you always have to go no 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 you have to you can't equip their thing you can only equip yours like blah 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 i think this is great and i do actually think this opens up some design space and some cool interplay um this lets you build a few different ways. You can build it for value. You could you could conceivably build a Kira uh, like group hug list or something like that. Like mm -hmm. like the the amount of ways to build this deck are really uh, cool and interesting to me. Yeah, I really like the idea of 
playing skull clamp or like equipping skull clamp to like your opponent's Lanoir elves. Uh, that seems awesome because you, of course, will draw the cards. Uh, if you have a lightning greaves on the field, then you can. It's just pretty much impossible to target your stuff or your creatures at least. And then there's, in addition to skull clamp, there's like one or two other equipments that sort of have a big drawback that you might want to put on your opponent's creatures. There's one or two that like will reduce toughness. Uh, you can also do something like there's lots of equipments that just have combat damage triggers where you, the owner of the equipment, will get them, even if it's attached to an opponent's creature. So just like paying one mana to put a mask of memory on my opponent's creature right before it hits, like I'll I'll do that a couple of times in a round of turns because the you know the reward is so good. It's just like I'm I'm cataloging over and over for one mana. That seems quite good. And of course, like the sword of X and Y, that also uh, is is pretty good to just pass around because like the ramp you're getting off of, say, your sword of hearth and home helps to pay for the the equip costs. It just seems like there's a lot you can do with this commander. I think you hit a lot of the good tech. And do you care if I read off this next one? No, go for it. So this is Zelkath the Fractured Visage. <laughs> and I said it funny. I said it fancy. This is a 2-3 shapeshifter for one white, blue, black. They have Changeling, Lifelink, Death Touch. And if you would counter a spell or ability, you may copy that spell or ability instead. You may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, and a copy of a permanent spell becomes a token. Uh, thank you, Caldheim, who did that first. Uh, actually, Dark I think it was, it was uh, Zendikar, because it oh, had yeah, the, Zendikar. Um, the engine, the Lithoform oh, engine. Oh, yeah, 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 it did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, uh, Lithoform engine. Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel about this? Uh, I think it's really neat. Um, just the fact that it makes counterspells something other than hyper-efficient answers is pretty exciting. Um, it gives you because like often the deck with a ton of counter spells in commander is like such a slog to play against because so much of its like real estate is just devoted to uh, you know these counter spells that answer its opponent's permanence permanence um, it had those types of decks often have difficulty ending the game because they again they're devoting so much many card slots to uh, to just answering things but with this deck it's like Oh yeah, it doesn't matter that like you know white, blue, and black don't have the best threats in this format because you can just let let something through, but I'll also have a Vorinclex or whatever. Um, and that seems really neat. Um, it also is notable that it turns all your counter spells into not reverberate twin cast, twin cast. Um, yeah. <laughs> so by turning all your your counter spells into twin cast, it's just a lot, lot, lot easier to get two twin casts in your hand. And once that happens, you can set up Magecraft loops. So there's, a, you know, a handful of Magecraft cards in this color identity that will win the game when you get infinite Magecraft. Um, a lot of them you kind of have to get through, like Clever Lumamancer. You have to swing into an opponent, you know, and, and get it to connect. But with your infinite Magecraft loops, uh, you just, you know, counter an opponent's spell, counter your own counter spell and then uh instead of countering it you choose to copy it and you just keep targeting the same counter spell with your your copy effect so that seems 
really neat. It seems like a deck with a million counter spells that actually like could be fun to play against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love how this turns that whole game plan on its head, and I love that Plan B is like, well, now we both don't get like, like now we don't both don't get to play. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like if you're gonna keep killing my commander, well, I'm just gonna counter all your stuff because. I would probably put pretty much every counter <laughs> spell <laughs> into this list, mm-hmm. uh, just because it makes it that much more fun. Um, and I actually would be curious to see what people thought about a design like this in real life. Like, would they find it more annoying that their stuff is resolving, but you get copies of it? I'm I'm not actually sure. Yeah, good question. Um, I I feel like this would be less annoying because. You know, everyone has that like psychological reaction to getting your spells countered. And mm-hmm. in this case, like, oh, I still get my thing. I'm much happier having my opponent also have one of these things than just not having the thing at all. Yeah, but- that's probably that's my gut reaction, too, is that this would be a lot more uh, well received than, say, like a barrel, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, at the table, something like that. Well, I think we can go ahead and move on to the next one yeah let's do it so the next card also coming to us from alex is the terminus watcher it is black green blue for a legendary creature wizard it has defender players skip their upkeep steps uh it's a four five so uh this looks like a pretty innocuous line of text but uh how do you think this deck builds like how would you go about building around it so i mean the the first thing is like cumulative upkeep there are a lot of heinous things <laughs> that have cumulative upkeep and really, really hurt someone who is not prepared for it. So I think that's a, a big one to note. This is a design that like exists that you might not know about as a player because it's so niche and it, they costed it very poorly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so this is like Eon Hub as a commander, and Eon Hub is a five mana artifact that says players skip their upkeep steps. So I think having a three color commander that does this incentivizes you to build into the fun thing and gives you a lot of the fun play that Eon Hub gave like casual sixty card players many years back. So I mentioned like the cumulative upkeep cards, but there's a lot of cards that just have triggers that kind of get eaten up. If you never have an upkeep, do you want to get into some of those, some of the really fun ones? <laughs> I, I say fun in air quotes, uh, listeners. <laughs> uh, so things like, you know, Rising Waters, which is Landstone. It's it's sort of like a Hakori or a Winter Orb, um, but it's Landstone attack during their controllers and untap steps. And then at, at the beginning of each player's upkeep, they can untap a land they control. Uh, so if you're missing that upkeep step, then it's just, oh, no no untaps ever similarly sands of time kind of functions in a in a similar way it's players keep skip their untap steps and then there's an upkeep trigger that allows players to tap uh their untapped things and untap their tapped things but if your upkeep never happens then it's players skip their untap and their upkeep steps and you know all mana sources are one use um <laughs> there's mists of stand stagnation which uh, is a five mana enchantment functions in a similar way um uh, and then there's just some like some other things that have like like sort of escape clauses that only function during the upkeep i'm thinking 
specifically of Worms of the Earth. Mm-hmm. So Worms of the Earth is a fun old card from the dark. It's uh, two black, black, black for an enchantment. Players can't play lands. Lands <laughs> can't enter the battlefield. And then at the beginning of each upkeep, any player may sacrifice two lands or have Worms of the Earth deal five damage to that player. If a player does either destroy Worms of the Earth. So basically, like it's yeah, it's a like really oppressive thing to have out, but normally it's also quite easy to get rid of. Uh, but you know, if you don't have an upkeep step, then there there's no way to escape from it, and the worms are are just always here, Worm Town, twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people probably don't want to live in Worm Town, but that's what this guy says. So <laughs> I don't make the rules. We're going yeah. to Worm Town. He's driving the car. <laughs> So yeah, it's just like the ultimate commander for like really sexy, oppressive effects. Because um, there were that was uh, a, a vein of design they they really mined a lot at the beginning of the game. It's just like oh, here's this like incredibly annoying, oppressive effect, but it's not going to stick around forever. Uh, and turns out if you if you skip that crucial step, then it actually does stick around forever. Yeah. <laughs> and moving on to the next commander, this is. Medar the Conduit. This mm-hmm. is a 5-4 construct. It's a legendary artifact creature. Costs 6 mana, 3 blue, black, red. They have first strike and remove a charge counter from a permanent you control. Put a charge counter on target artifact. Yeah. So this you can kind of probably guess what you're going to do with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's definitely like... Uh... You need two types of cards to really get this commander to work. You need some ways to generate tons of charge counters at a really good rate. And there there are ways to do that. Eternity Vessel is an artifact, uh, six cost. When it enters the battlefield, you put a number of charge counters on it equal to your life total. So that's going to be a pretty good source. Um, Chimeric Egg trigger gets a charge counter whenever an opponent casts a non-artifact spell. Uh, Geometric Nexus... Get, is a two-cost artifact that gets charge counters equal to the the mana value of instant and sorcery spells that get cast. So it's uh so a lot of a lot of the, I mean it's likely to get to accumulate quite a number of them. Um, and then there's some yeah. really good ways to spend your charge counters. So if you just want to get a lot of mana, a lot of value. Um, you can run like Everflowing Chalice, Astral Cornucopia, Empowered Auto Generator, all things that tap for mana equal to the number of charge counters on them. Uh, you can also just try to win the game because Magistrate Scepter uh, has is an artifact that you can tap and remove three charge counters from it to take an extra turn after this one. Um, Dark Steel Reactor is an four-cost indestructible artifact that normally just adds one charge counter to itself each turn. But at the beginning of your upkeep, if it has 20 or more charge counters on it, you win the game. So uh, certainly some powerful things to do with charge counters. And it's it's great that Medar is able to move them around so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, this just comes from the, the fact that like whenever they make a card, like there are hundreds of different counters used in Commander or um, there are hundreds of different counters used in Magic. But for some reason, they still are like, mm, I don't know. It's a charge counter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, we have eyeball counters and all sorts of stuff, but it still feels like half the time they're like, mm, charge counter. Yeah, I, I honestly wish we 
got charge counters more often because these days it seems like they are um it seems like they're using like unusual types of counters even more frequently than they used to yeah um, I, I think they realized that people like that <laughs> you know like people like when patience counter or like aim counter or whatever it it is you know yeah it's it's certainly flavorful but it does like limit the backwards compatibility i guess this is just like a, a vorthos mel conflict that yeah exactly really easy to resolve yeah yeah uh do you want to move on to the next card sure uh this next one is sukuyo ethernet cryptographer it is one blue black for a legendary creature moonfolk rogue with flying whenever one or more opponents reveal one or more cards you may pay two life if you do copy one of the revealed cards, you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. And uh, just as a reminder, a copy of a permanent spell becomes a token, and she's a 2-1. This is really, really neat. I think it might be a little too good at this mana cost. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty strong. Yeah, So, so just as a... For your awareness, you know, there's so many duress effects, so many thought seize effects. Um, it's pretty easy to get your opponents to reveal their hands. So, and, and two life is, of course, not an enormous uh, burden in Commander. So, it just seems like, you know, you cast this on turn three, and then you can, like, thought seize, duress, whatever, so many different variants. Each of your opponents would just cast the best spell from their hand for at the cost of two life and and Mm -hmm. like you know since you're also duressing them in the progress you can potentially also get their answers to whatever heinous thing you're casting it seems very good i I think maybe that the knobs on this need to be tweaked a little bit to to depower it somewhat Mm -hmm. yeah gitaxium probe is just absolutely bonkers absolutely insane yeah so (laughs) i i do you like the space this is playing in? I, I like that it's a more fair Turgrid casting a copy instead of just literally stealing it from you. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think the power level would be too much for most tables of Commander. <laughs> yeah, maybe like tack a mana cost onto it rather than a life cost and maybe bump up the base, uh, the base cost. But I, w- I will say it is like, a very neat design that triggers off of a uh, a game action that we really don't think about very much. O- honestly, I think that, that like cast is something that people do all the time. There's a lot of things that trigger off of people casting things, but I think a lot of designers maybe just don't think about how many different actions there are in a game of Magic, and and so many of them you can easily design ways to trigger off of them. So I, I love that innovation. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to the next commander. This is Ixidor Dementia Artist. It's two blue-black for a legendary creature human wizard. It has flash, and each permanent with flash you own has dash. Uh, and as a reminder, dash, it means you may cast the spell for its dash cost. If you do, it gains haste, and it's returned from the battlefield to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. Um, so each permanent you each permanent card with flash you own has dash. The dash cost is equal to its mana cost. And then dash costs you pay cost two less. And it's a one four. I will just make the note 
that you can probably rather than having like these two separate abilities like one that grants dash and one that reduces dash costs because so many of the dash costs or some of the dash cards that already exist in this color identity are just like crap limited fodder i don't know if you gain a whole lot by separating them out and you can probably just clean it up a little bit by stating it as each permanent card you with flash you own has dash the dash cost is equal to its mana cost reduced by two generic um and that'll that that might just be a little bit cleaner but i mean let's talk about how to build around this card what what kind of things do you would you put into a exador deck i think that the dash cost being like reduced uh, means that you get a lot of like re-enters on things with flash so i guess it really comes down to if dash works with non-creature permanence i'm assuming it does right it, 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 would just it does like, I, okay. i'm pretty sure it would yeah okay so if that being the case, you get a lot of ETB triggers, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> on the cheap. There are a bunch of things with Flash that trigger, like, when they ETB, specifically, like, enchantments, some artifacts, a lot of creatures, and I'm thinking, like, the, was it the font cycle? Or the font was the ones you sacrificed. What was the ones where the god, like, the ramp spell was the green the omen? One? Omens, omen there you go. So like the omen cycle uh, helps you do stuff like that. There's stuff like dress down, which is kind of like a funky counter spell, but you could stack it so the dash cost puts it back in your hand before you have to sacrifice it at the end of the turn. I'm pretty sure. So this is like theoretical thinking on my part, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that would work. Uh, so that would draw you a card, ruin your opponent's game plan, and then uh, let you continue to survive until the next turn um because you wouldn't be able to dash anything else in after that because Ixador would not have any abilities but yeah yeah there's just a lot of crazy stuff you can do yeah like uh creatures that are counter spells or disruptive really oppressive with this commander like um you know draining Welk, voracious great shark uh spell starter sprite or even something like a like a vendillion click being able to do that multiple times per turn cycle uh especially like you know at a reduced cost seems like it could be difficult to overcome certainly uh perhaps a little bit frustrating uh so that's something to keep in mind i i do love the idea of like granting things with flash dash but i'm wondering like if maybe we should perhaps look to a color identity with a different array of effects available yeah that could be part of it i mean dash was originally in uh just a two color pairing so um which was not blue i think what this card was trying to do was um work with a lot of the flash matters cards that they keep trying to put out that don't quite make it mm-hmm. and and i don't understand why they don't quite make it because it, it's literally like oh if you just change the one word <laughs> or something like that but i think that's the problem this card was trying to fix uh, as well as letting you use your old dash cards um but yeah i do think it would need some tweaking but uh, i think it's a cool space definitely uh it's certainly a much more interesting flash commander than nimrus i'll give it that yeah definitely <laughs> uh this next one is Skikbis parasite injector uh, it's three green blue blue for a legendary creature Frexian insect. It's a 2-8, 
and it has tokens you control have hideaway, which means they enter the battlefield tapped. When they do, look at the top four cards of your library, exile one face down, then put the rest on the bottom of your library. And when a token you control leaves the battlefield, choose a face down card in exile at random. Turn it face up. If it's a creature card, put it onto the battlefield. I love the like modern horizons type of cleverness of, of putting hideaway onto other um, other permanents. That's really neat. Uh, what what do you think about this commander? How would you go ahead and build around it? Really, what this does is it turns all of your token production into like card draw slash card selection at the same time, and the mm-hmm. the trick becomes because they enter tapped how do i get them as fast as possible (laughs) (laughs) so um creatures that make tokens are very good and then sack outlets for those creatures are also very good i think this builds into a combo finish but i haven't thought about what the combo finish is yet uh yeah as you mentioned like creatures that make tokens when they enter the battlefield are gonna be really good Sack outlets are definitely going to be good. What what do you get once you've like churned through your library and just like, I guess what's your win condition when you have a billion death triggers? In, in blue, green. That's a really good question. I mean, I think you'll still be up on creatures by the end of it. Yeah, I think you'll be up on creatures. Okay, so maybe you can like sack... Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so Loaming Shaman, when it enters the battlefield, target player shuffler shuffles any number of target cards from the graveyard into the library. So if you can just like put all your token generators or sack all your token generating creatures and then sack your tokens to try to get your Loaming Shaman and then like shuffle it, I think you can just keep going potentially infinitely. It does, it is um, bounded by. I mean, it's not, that's the the crappy thing is it's uh, not determinate. Um, Yeah, I mean, so you'll probably win if you get the density right, but it will be challenging. If you have like a death's presence, then you get to save up counters. If you have like a gate to the afterlife or something like that, you get infinite life. So there's things to do. There are ways to uh, abuse that. Blade of the Blood Chief also works. You can put like Blade of the Blood Chief on, uh, I don't know, Triskelion or something. Yeah, I mean, you can also just get like a, uh, you know, a Guardian Project and, yeah. or, or something similar and get your, kind of get all the non-land cards out of your library. Although if you draw enough creatures, it might so mess you up. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, there, um, there's definitely a neat combo deck and and like a really unique one there, um, and it's and yeah, like your commander is expensive, but it also seems like the kind of thing where you can do all your setup beforehand. Like I'm, I'll cast my my sack outlet on like you know turn three or four, and like then drop a deranged. Uh, oh no, you have to get your tokens in after Skick this comes down. So. Mm-hmm. That might be a challenge. You have to like cast your six drop commander and then untap with it to get going. So I guess it's fine if it combos off because that is like a big ask in commander to like untap with your six drop. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. It's like, oh, okay, well, uh, if I untap with this six drop, I probably win. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> that doesn't seem to. I don't doesn't know. There are worse things. Yeah, yeah, there are worse things. And then you might whiff too. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's let's move on to this next one. So this next one is Nellis Spark Mystic. It's red, green, white, blue. So four mana for a three-five legendary creature, human shaman. The legend rule doesn't apply to planeswalkers you control. Planeswalkers you control have all names of all cards in addition to their names. The same is true for planeswalker spells you control and planeswalker cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. This is like a a very strange collection of abilities, but the deck it builds into seems amazing to me. Seems like really, really, really cool. Um, yeah, you I, I think it's a fantastic design. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you, you go for it. Uh, so there are um, a fair number of cards that require you that like enter the battlefield and you get to search your library for specific named cards. So like Alpine Houndmaster, you know, it, it's two cost creature. When it enters the battlefield, you search your name, your library for um, these two dogs. There's like Squadron Hawk, famously uh, one in a white for a one one flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you can search your library for any number of cards named Squadron Hawk. There's a bunch of uh, creatures like that, actually. So if you get your Nellis down and then you cast your Squadron Hawk, you can just get any number of Planeswalkers and put them into your hand. So there's, I, I think there's a lot you can do with that. Um, there's probably, I'm sure someone else could think of like better synergies, but um, the first thing I thought of was like, okay, if you can like reliably get Yavamaya out on like, say, turns one through three, which isn't that hard in a green color identity, uh, then you cast your Nellis, then you cast your uh, Squadron Hawk or whatever. You go get uh, Teferi, Temporal Archmage, uh, or Nissa World Waker, and Tezzeret the Seeker. And so, like, your, your Nissa World Waker is basically free. Maybe you also run, like, uh, some land, some aura based ramp, like a, a Wild Growth or Utopia Sprawl or Overgrowth, whatever. So, Nissa World Waker could potentially even net mana when you cast her. Uh, then you cast your Tezzeret. Your Tezzeret goes and gets the Chain Veil, and then you have all you need to combo off with the Chain Veil. You'll, you know, if if you've got like a single land aura or a land that taps for more than one mana, Nissa World Waker generates infinite mana with the Chain Veil. Uh, or sorry, uh, you'll also need a, a Teferi Temporal, Ar- Temporal Archmage, which is also going to be cheap or free with the same setup that you have for Nissa. Uh, and then Teferi can untap the Chain Veil, and and you combo off from there. That seems like probably the best line I can think of, but I'm sure that there's mm-hmm. even more. Like some combination of planeswalkers is I'm I'm sure able to do something busted. Uh and then while well, we were talking about with this with Alex, uh he mentioned like there's a lot of things that key off of uh named cards and can really hose your opponents if if something is well, if if the, the card they've named or the card they've selected also has all names and so that's for example like ashiox erasure is two blue blue for enchantment with flash when it enters the battlefield exile target spell your opponents can't cast spells with the same name as the exiled card so if you exile one of your own planeswalkers well while it's not on the battlefield it has all card names so your opponent can't cast basically any spell 
So it should be, you should be able to win from there. There's um, a few similar effects like Bazaar of Wonders, Cornered Market, Exclusion Ritual. So those are all pretty oppressive, but yeah. you can like the fact that this is this deck is also so good at assembling combos means that like it's not people are not just going to be stuck in jail forever like you will be able to close out the game pretty quickly as well having that many planeswalkers and then uh no one else can spells means i would i you win mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't really think there's a way around that but I, I do think it's really cool i think there's a lot of interesting lines of play there yeah definitely all right, we're, we've got just a few more designs to round out this episode. These come to us from Dianea, who uh, hangs out on our Discord server. Thanks very much, Dianea. Uh, so this first one is Emmeline, Heir to Hearers. It's white, black, green for a 3-3 legendary creature human druid with lifelink. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you may return a creature with mana value less than that enchantment from your graveyard to the battlefield under your control. And whenever a creature you control dies, return target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. So I see a couple powerful synergies with this commander. Um, One thing that sticks out to me is like, if you have an enchantment creature, uh, like it will trigger Emmeline when it dies, and then you can return itself from your graveyard to the, to your hand. Uh, So that that's going to enable some cool synergies there. Um, there's some neat things you can do with like animate dead. If you animate dead something and then the creature dies or the animate dead dies, whichever one you can then like the, the creature dying will trigger Emmeline and you can get back your animate dead to your hand. Um, what are some other things that uh, synergize with this commander that you noticed? I mean, one thing that comes to mind just because it was so recent was like Willow Geist gets huge and that, means you can gain like a ton of life there's multiple combos that give you infinite life like that things entering the battlefield things leaving the battlefield um fecundity seems really good in this list um if you are having a creature you control dies trigger uh, that gets back an enchantment it's really easy to get fecundity and then also now your creatures that are dying because the goonies are all pretty good here Mm-hmm. Um, the Goonies being creatures that uh, come back from the graveyard. They never say die. We, we've uh, stealing that from the Legendary Creature Podcast. So um, kind of lets your chains get started. And then I think just the, the cool thing about this is that it really incentivizes you to play the big enchantments that are like fun, <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess. Like you're, you're creating these value engines and these synergies, but um it's asking you to do so in a way where you get to play with the splashy, cool six man enchantment and you're not trying to like max out on your explorations and um, you're like cheap, efficient, like Miri's guiles and stuff like that. So I like this. I think this is cool. Yeah, this seems like a really neat one. Um, It is notable that you played Enchantress deck for very long you'll notice that your enchantresses tend to eat removal and it's kind of hard to recur them um so it is great that like with emmeline if your board gets wrathed or whatever you can then like cast your your four or five mana enchantments and then regrow your 
Argothian Enchantress, your Mason Enchantress, your Satessan Champion, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess this is the last one. This is also from DNA. They submitted Otto Valton Biblio Arcanist. This is a 2-5 Elf Wizard for 4 mana. 1 white, blue, blue. Whenever a permanent becomes the target of a spell, each player draws a card. Whenever a player draws a card, you gain 1 life. At the beginning of your end step, if this isn't an extra turn and 10 or more cards have been drawn by players this turn, you take an extra turn after this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about this? Uh, so this seems pretty pretty darn strong. I, th- I think like you, you got to be careful when you put when you do X draw a card on a commander. And, and I, I love that it is each player draws a card, but I think that I think it's possible to set things up so that like giving away cards in this case doesn't matter that much. Um, like you can have like a defense grid or something similar out that prevents your opponents from doing stuff on your turn. And then, you know, if you just play a cheap cantrip that targets a permanent, like a Nivius Wisps or something, so that draws a card and each player will draw a card. So that's four additional cards being drawn. So really just like two cantrips is enough to get the extra turn trigger. And and it, while it's true that like you can't uh, take additional extra turns like while you're on an extra turn, it's still like it, I don't know. It just still seems like a lot of value for. Uh, it seems like a, a lot of value. It seems very very powerful. What's going on? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so, what what are your thoughts on this commander? Um. I like that this rewards you for playing like single target stuff. Um, I like that in some ways it's punishing you for disenchanting and things like that. Like I would definitely run like um, Heliod's intervention and whatnot in this list, but like people are just going to have huge hands. (laughs) Oh yeah, actually that's a great point. Like the fact that, you know, if you have, oh god, uh, so the fact that you can, if you have something that like taps multiple things or just like targets multiple things, I, I didn't even consider the fact that that's triggering this multiple times, and that's just a million cards being given away. Yeah, it is. It is a ton of cards, and that is cool. <laughs> I actually <laughs> like that. I think what that is doing is it's incentivizing you playing the spells in this color that like punish players for drawing that many cards um and oh, or like mothering tithe is going to be amazing here or, or like a narset uh yeah narset even like consecrated sphinx is like like oh you all drew <laughs> yeah mm-hmm, don't mind if i do <laughs> so this does go off the rails pretty quickly and i don't know i think this is playing in a design space where it's like this can be viewed as like group hug but i actually really like it i feel like there's a lot to this that would be really fun for players. And it like I like that it keeps the game moving because people have cards in hand. I like that you have ways to mitigate that. Like white is the color of rule of law and different things like that. Or I think Mingara might actually be worth it in this list. <laughs> you know, stuff like that where people actually have the gas to do the things that they want to do. So yeah, I, I actually really like Otto Valton. And um, I think that this is a great space for white blue to, to inhabit if wizards are indeed uh 
I was going to say secretly listen to this episode, but maybe that's too <laughs> on the nose. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably probably shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it it seems neat. Um it's just uh I feel like this needs even more guardrails than it currently has. That's that's mm-hmm. uh my two cents on it. Yeah, it probably does. I I, I think that that is 100% true. But that's that's it. That's uh, all the designs we're going to be covering this time. Thank you to everyone who submitted designs. Some really, really exciting options. I sorely hope that we see some cards like this in the near future. And and honestly, like while I was going through some of the um, some of the cards posted in our, our custom chart card channel recently, or things that have been submitted to us in the past, uh, I actually noticed a couple things that had basically had made it to cards in the the intervening time yeah (laughs) like like our friend alex for example uh you know had that same line of text that was on wolfgar about um you know if a creature attacking would cause an ability you control trigger triggers an additional time uh and had that on a card a couple months before wolfgar got spoiled so really exciting to see these these designs and and to see them being made real and, and and put on real magic cards it's awesome really cool very excited and um you guys kill it every time so thank you for everyone who submitted we are gonna we should think of a theme for the next one because we there are so many spoilers in a year now <laughs> <laughs> that sometimes episodes get pushed around pushed back and this is one of the ones where that happened so yeah, we will. We do plan to continue having uh, a couple of these every year because uh, it's a lot of fun for us, and we hope it's fun for all you designers out there. And and yeah, we'll look into a theme next time. We'll, we'll see if we can cook one up. And with that, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Rick, Raphael, Laser, Charlotte, Hannah, Andy, Dylan, James, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Jason, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Leo, John, John, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Ellie, Leon, Jason, and Kyle. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.